Wade Williford, welcome to, it's so fun to have you. Welcome to the Mark Line Passion Project. Um, I'm stoked to be here. Yeah, listen, I mean, you and I have talked a lot about this for a long time, and we've talked about different iterations, the way this could go, um, but it's super cool to have you here, so thanks for making the time. Well, thank you for having me. Super fun. Um, it's always fun to, like, the setup is like, what do I want to say about this person? What, what do people want to know or need to know? Because part of today, um, as you know from my past pods, it's all about connecting the dots, because if you're a paddler, from anywhere in California, Hawaii, you know Wade Williford. Um, but you probably don't know the whole story. They know a part of it. We know you as a passionate paddler, a collector of paddles, on and on. <laughs> I will talk about those things. But, you know, how many people know that you're an elementary school teacher? How many people know that you do these incredible long distance paddles and things? And um, one of the things about you that I think is one of my favorite traits is that you're one of those people, and please take this the right way. You know, I always like people, I like super successful people that you would not know are successful. I like to know people, that people are some of the smartest people in the room, but you would never know. That's and very nice. <laughs> I like people that are badass athletes, but you wouldn't necessarily think of it by looking at them, you know, and you're definitely one of those. So super fun to have you here. Um, super impressive person. I love that we get to dig into it today. So again, thanks. well, I, as I was, I, I said a little bit earlier that uh, I feel a little bit like I'm in imposter syndrome um, land here. With like, okay, there's so many other people you could you could talk to about all this. So I'm I'm really stoked to be here. So thank well, you. No, it's fun. Well, listen, and I don't want to jump too far ahead, but like, if there's a, if I have a a friend that is as much of a podcast dork as me, it's you. Yes. <laughs> and a lot of the things that we both are passionate about, headspace and, um, you know, tools and tactics of how to be our best selves and high performance and all that stuff. We talk about that stuff a lot. Yes. Um, so you're the perfect candidate to be here. I mean, this, this is a passion project, my passion project, but it's if there's a passionate paddler out there. Well, I appreciate it. that. And, you know, hopefully that comes across as well. Oh, no. Trust me, my friend. <laughs> it comes across. Just ask. If, if Kelly and Will of one of our favorite podcasts collectively as uh, from Cocktails and Canoe are here, who would they say is their number one follower, well, their number one me. fan? Well, that'd be me. Of course. <laughs> and you're the one that waits to the second that it drops. And you've listened to it before most people have woken up the next morning. That right? is true. I, I am the reason that, that uh, she used to publish it at 6 a.m. And I'm like, you know, I get up at 4. I'd really like to listen to it while yes. I'm drinking my coffee. Yes. So could you drop it a little earlier? Yes. So <laughs> not to say that you're transparent, but you're, it's pretty clear. Like, if again, if you're in the paddling world, if you paddle outrigger um, in California primarily, people know who you are. Well, that's and very nice. you're also not afraid to, to do the hard work. So we're sitting here in Newport, Costa Mesa. Um, it's 10, 18 in the morning. How, you live in San Diego. Yep. How'd you get here? What'd you do? What was your What was your morning like? My my morning was uh, get up at three a.m. three o five to be exact. Uh, feed the dogs, uh, which we have uh, seven of. Yeah, we're getting, you collect <laughs> those three. We'll talk about them and, as well. And then drive on up here. Uh, uh, go and do Willie's workout. Um, what's at the, what's NAC. a Willie workout? So uh, Willie Reichenstein has been doing these workouts for I think we're going on about forty years now. Um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday morning, Thursday is sprints. So it's, uh, get up here, 
rig the canoe, get out on the water, 545-ish, get off the water by 7. Get your Um, coffee by 745. Exactly. Uh, Was it nice and warm this morning? Uh, I think 42. It was freaking cold this morning. I was out there with you. It was darn cold. You were? Darn cold. I thought you'd gone back and and had been the smarter of the two and had had stayed in the warmth. No, you know me. I just do extra extra credit. Exactly. You can't always see me out there. It's all good. Listen, so we can banter about this stuff all day, but I promise we'll dig into the paddling. We'll dig into some of your other, um, you know, the seven dogs. I thought it was 17, but we'll call it seven dogs. Um, But... I think it's really fun to find out how you got here. Here with you as a paddler that has been paddling at a pretty high level for a long time, pretty passionate about it. But there's a lot of other um, facets to you that are worth digging into. But some of what I don't know, wait, and we're gonna start at the beginning. Where, where did you grow up? And let's go from there. Okay, so <laughs> this, this is where it becomes a little, uh, convoluted and, and and you have to follow Hold on your whole story is a little I, convoluted I, so it's I recognize it's that fitting so um I was born in Atlanta Georgia oh see I um, have no idea moved up to Washington DC moved out to uh, Marion Illinois um moved to Leavenworth Kansas and yes Leavenworth is in the penitentiary so my dad worked for the Bureau of Prisons uh-huh. the Federal Bureau of Prisons um And then after Leavenworth, we moved out to San Diego. My dad was the warden at uh, the Metropolitan Correctional Center down in San Diego. So how old were you when you ended up in San Diego? Um, I was was 10, almost 11. So we moved out here in January of 81. Um, And I was 10. I turned 11 uh, in April. And I've really been in California and embraced being a Californian. Um, since, since 1981. And so you are, had already lived in multiple homes, multiple cities by the time you got here at 11 years old. Yeah, and always been involved with sports. Um, primarily, I was a soccer um, player, um, but I played soccer, I played basketball, I played baseball, moving across, and soccer was just where my passion was. Um, Unbeknownst to me, I, I didn't have the best eyesight. So mm-hmm. baseball, um, I was a great fielder. Couldn't hit worth uh, beans. Um, and uh, basketball, I was a great defender. Couldn't shoot. Um, so, uh, you know. So, but you grew up playing team sports. Yeah. And in where in San Diego were you? Uh, so I lived in La Mesa. So um, Helix High School, which um, for those people that know who Bill Walton, Reggie Bush, Alex Smith, um, Helix is is home to to them. Is That's my area. Private or public? Public school. Helix is a public school. Public school. And it produced those athletes yeah. out of there. Yeah, I wow. was going to say. I mean, um, Dennis Hopper went there. Um, really? Yeah, I was going to say it, it's it it was a wonderful environment to be around. Um, I have friends that high quality. Um, you know, my, my joke was that you know. I was in the top 10% of my class, but barely. Um, and all my other friends were like the valedictorians and the star quarterback and, you know, water polo studs and swimming awesome guys and gals. And, you know, I, I just, I, I was fortunate enough to be, for lack of a better phrase, surrounded by greatness. Well, if you look at the people you're still surrounded with in the paddling world. Exactly. Willie, ex-Olympic. Jimmy Terrell, you're wearing his hat, quick play paddles. 
Olympic. You're wearing a Puokea, Johnny Puokea shirt, world class, like you're still surrounded by greatness. Exactly. And you know, the, there's a old quote from Winston Churchill, which is show me who your friends are and I'll show you who you are. So it's what I aspire to be. I'm, I, and you know, if I, it's, if I fall short, at least I'm, you know, aiming high, aiming high. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, we talk, I mean, you and I could probably have a quote off if there is such a thing <laughs> of headspace related, um, high achieving, high performance, goal planning quotes of people that we both appreciate because we'll share books. If anybody has shared books or podcasts or Instagram feeds with that type of genre of information, it's you. Oh, I you get and lots I. of good exactly. stuff. We go back and forth, which is pretty fun. Um, so you play all these sports through high school or prior to high school? No, I, um, so in high school I played soccer and I was on the tennis team. Wow, um, you really, so you're, okay, so you played all sport. Yeah, I mean, um, my, growing up, I, I lived on soccer fields. My mom played soccer, my mom was my coach. I mm. was there from first game to the last game. Um, my dad played handball at a, um, um, so um, the, the prison version of handball, not not the um, Olympic. There's version. not a joke in here, is there? No, it? there isn't. Okay. Um, but my my dad my my dad was third in the nation in 1977 for handball. I played on racquetball courts um, and tennis courts in the summer and racquetball in the winter. So and, let me ask you: You played yeah. all these sports. Yep. Was this something your parents pushed? Was it something your parents reinforced and supported, or was this your passion? Um, some of it was my passion. Some of it was reinforced. Um, nothing was ever really pushed on me, but I, you know, it's sort of like I'm on a tennis court, um, cause my mom and dad are playing, um, doubles together and you're sitting on a court for three, four hours. You, Might you know, as well I, get moving. Yeah. And, and I learned, I learned to play with my right hand. I learned to play with my left hand. Um, you know, it, it was just like, okay, I'm here. Might as well. Um, racquetball. My dad was so good at um, racquetball. It wasn't probably until I was, I'd been playing for like five or six, maybe even more years before I ever scored a point on him. Wow. And, and, and I thought I was horrible until <laughs> one year, my sister and I went to a, um, a racquetball tournament for kids and I started skunking people. I was seven or eight and I was like beating people 11 nothing. And I thought like, okay, what's wrong with this? I can't score a point on my dad. And I'm beating these people and they can't score a point on me. So, I mean, it was just little things like that. I mean, I, I was very passionate. I unfortunately had a horrible temper. So- um, Really? Oh, my sister knew every button to push on me. Mm. And well, they, so- They do that. Yeah, well, that is true. Bro brothers too. <laughs> So, you know, it, we ended up being in the final, my sister and I, and she just like rode me like, I, I mean, I threw my racket, my parents pulled me off the court. They're like, you okay. were playing each other. Yeah, for the, were, for the championship. For, 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 for number one and number two. Yeah. Oh, I thought maybe it was like, I was like, I didn't know there was four oh, person. No, no. no, you're, oh, you're yeah, playing no. head to head with your yeah, sister. Yeah, they, they do have doubles. But your sister, younger or older? My sister was older, two years older. Got it. And she knew what, buttons to push and I ended up throwing a racket and my parents went, okay, you two are off the court. Oh, wow. Yeah. Got it. Interesting. So 
Let's go back to the, yeah. I, I, I really, like it resonates with me thinking about you or thinking about like, you know, very accomplished uh, athletes. You said that, you know, it took me six years to get a point off my dad and mm-hmm. then I went on and to skunk everybody else eleven zero. 11-0. That's leveling up, right? When you play with people better than you, you get better. Yes. Yeah, don't, don't surround words. yourself with, don't feel good in a workout. Yeah. Surrounding yourself with people that, that you beat all day long. That's not where the growth comes from, right? So, yeah, it was just so, it's funny. Um, a few years ago, I was up at the Gorge and I was talking with um, Brian Muntz, uh, known in the paddling. Real quick, just yeah. what's the Gorge and why is that important? Oh, so, um, the Gorge is up in uh, Oregon, the Columbia River Gorge, and it has one of the best races, the Downwind Champs. And everybody from anywhere that is a paddler shows up. It's a wind mecca. It's world class for downwind paddling, but it's also world, world class, class for foiling, for windsurfing, um, all of the above. Yeah, and it's, it's beautiful yeah. in summer. And it's just a comfortable vibe. And I happen to be up there, and one of the guys, Brian Munts, who affectionately known as Irish in, in our paddling community, um, goes, You know, I'd rather be the worst person. In, in, in the best boat than the best person in, in, in a lesser boat. And I love that because it's sort of like, yeah, I want to I wanna be the guy who's still working and thinks I have to keep working in order to, to keep my, my place. Yeah. I, I, we'll talk more about paddling and, yeah. and the strategies and mindsets <clears throat> around it because that's so on point with the way I think any elite athletes think, right? You know, I think so. Yeah. You think of the Kobe, you know, you got to do the work and you got to play with people that are better than you until you're the best. And then you got to keep working harder than everybody else. Right. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So go on. So you played with your, you played again, any other sports? I mean, were you like a professional badminton player too? <laughs> no, no. Got it. <laughs> no, that so, was just at family reunion. <laughs> so, the, so this is junior high yeah. and into high school. Mm-hmm. Um, what was, Growing up in San Diego, family, every, like what was? So um, shortly after I moved with my family there, my parents divorced, um, probably 82, 83. So we moved there in 81 and a couple of years later, my parents divorced. My dad um, moved up to Long Beach. Um, there's a prison right there on the point called Terminal Island. Sounds really ominous, but it's a really nice prison. Mm-hmm. Um, but John DeLorean was there. Um, and, um, I stayed with my mom, my, my, um, my sister moved with my dad. Uh, my dad then moved back to Illinois. I stayed in San Diego, um, did my high school there. What high school? Um, I went to Helix. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. And then, um, when I went to school, um, I made a really great choice to go to Santa Barbara and it, Santa Barbara really just wasn't for me. Um, so I ended up coming back to San Diego. I graduated from San Diego State. And, what year? Uh, 93. Oh, we were there. I was at USD at the same time. Yeah. I didn't realize we were at the same time. I'm a couple years older than you, but we're pretty close in school. Yeah, that um, was why it was like when you were talking about getting together with a group of people, it was like, huh. Yeah, small world. Yeah. That's where my prone paddling started way back in the day. Okay, so you... So Santa Barbara was my number one choice and I was not smart enough. So kudos to you for getting into Santa Barbara. Um, I got lucky enough to, to make it into USD and that was world-class for me in San Diego, still one of my favorite places. Um, where in San Diego do you live now? 
So I live in Mira Mesa. So if you were to go down the coast, um, I was explaining this to someone today, Torrey Pines, going about three miles inland, and that's where Mira Mesa is. Not too far from Claremont, right? Correct. Where I have a store, right? Yes. Where Crown stores. Cool. And um, how far are you from where you grew up in La Mesa? How far is that? 20-minute drive. Got it. Maybe 10 miles. Do you still hang with people from growing up? I'm very fortunate. I have a phenomenal group of friends that I've known since I was uh, 11. I'm 53. Yeah. So do the math, 42 years. Yeah, yeah. We're still friends. Um, we don't get together as much as we should. But, you know, I can call them up if I needed anything. They're all... Yeah, in and around the area. I have a friend up in Dixon where you also have a store. Um, That's right. He's so. the surgeon. Is that yep. right? Yep. He's the Got surgeon. It. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, we'll talk a lot. The paddle community is a great community and there's a lot of camaraderie and all that. And I have a lot of friends from that world, but I'm blessed like you. I, I grew up pretty close to here. My wife and I both grew up on the other side of town and a lot of my friends are friends that I've had since grade school. Yeah. Kindergarten. I mean, pretty unbelievable super fortunate that when you live in Southern California, a lot of people, we might go away for a while. Most of us don't stay away forever. You know, exactly. It's a nice place to come back to, um, especially if you're a paddler, right? So let's talk about, we'll get into paddling in a minute, but from college, what was your degree or focus in, in college? So I graduated from San Diego State with a teaching credential. It's called liberal studies, uh, emphasis in education. Um, and I then did my um, student teaching in, in and around San Diego, um, and I worked for juvenile court and community schools. Mm -hmm. So I was a teaching assistant at um, the Joan Crock St. Vincent de Paul Center, which um, is in downtown San Diego, um, 16th and Imperial. Um, for those people that, that, that know that area, it's not the greatest of mm -hmm. uh, locations in the world, but um, I worked there for five years. Um, when did you know that you wanted to be a teacher? Because clearly you went through school with the focus on coming out as a educator, Yeah, but right? I, I didn't, I started as a financial accounting uh, major and at Santa Barbara and just realized, okay, this is moving numbers around. This isn't fun. Yeah. Um, I worked a summer at the Joan Crocs St. Vincent Ball Center and um, I was a activities director and it was like, this is fun. Cool. I enjoyed this. And so I changed my major. Um, San Diego State started as a teaching college and I, that's where my focus was. Got it. So let's talk about it. So you've now been teaching professionally for how long? I am in my 28th year as a teacher. 28th? Yeah. God, we are old. I know. How did this happen? Well, and that, that doesn't include the five years that I was a, a teaching assistant. So. Um, um, but 28 years, I love what I do. What grades, what school? Um, so I've actually taught every single grade. So I started as a K-1 teacher. Um, I moved to juvenile court and community schools, which was seventh through 12th grade. Um, Self-contained classroom, those are kids that are usually on um, probation or have had run-ins with the law or with um, difficulties in their homeschool. And then I moved down to what was called opportunities which were kids in sixth, seventh, and eighth grade in Carlsbad. Um, I worked for Carlsbad Unified School District. And um, it was a specialized program to try and get those kids back on track so that they wouldn't get into a juvenile court and community school. When they um, killed that program, uh, the funding from the state 
didn't allow for it to continue. I went to elementary education, which is where my degree is in, and I've been a fourth or fifth grade teacher since 2010, I think. Um, and I currently am a fourth grade teacher in Carlsbad. Awesome. Listen, I always say it. I've said it on here. I say it at work. I say it to my kids. You know, I believe wholeheartedly that when you're growing up, you will remember your best teacher and your worst teacher, best coach, worst coach, whatever. Everybody in the middle is kind of vanilla and you're going to be formed by those images, those memories of those best and the worst. And for me, it's like, I want to do everything the hundred percent opposite of what that worst coach or teacher did. And I want to really emulate that best coach teacher. Again, it could be boss, whatever. Everybody in the middle may just disappear. Uh, I can't even remember the names of those teachers, but I right. remember my best. And I remember my worst and I'm going to go out on a limb here. And I know that you're, you were supported publicly in this last year that you're on this side. Well, I was going to say, I hold on. Yeah. What award did you receive? Was that this past school year? Uh, so end of last year. So for last year, the 21, 22, uh, school year, no, 22, 23, 22, 23 school year. I was my school's teacher of the year. We have 14 teachers on our, on our site. Um, and so I was recognized as excellent. Hallelujah, brother. Congratulations. That's awesome. I, I appreciate that, you know, and, and, but while that is very nice, one of the things is, is that, you know, I, I want, and I truly believe that anybody that's coming into my classroom will leave as a better student, better person, better ideals, better values, having been in my class. And it may not always be easy, but they will, in the long run, be a better person for having had me for 180 days. I'll give you a second hallelujah for that. Dude, that's incredible. That's what we need. We need people like you leading our kids, educating our kids, driving our kids to be good people. Um, that's awesome. Well, and, and it's funny because I, I, I have a a little saying that's a risk leads to more risks, which equals success. And all the letters. I'm sorry, say that one again. A risk leads to more risks, which leads to success. And A stands for attitude. Um, then you have respect, integrity, safety, mm. kindness. Then you have the other risks are um, responsibility, um, individualism, sense of humor, appropriate, um, an attitude of keeping at it, and then um, self-esteem. And those are all the things that equal success. So each of those letters to me is more important than me teaching you math, science, English, social studies, because realistically, the goal is to create a better person, not someone who can memorize their math facts. Although we do teach math facts because there's discipline and other ideas with regards to that. But, you know, I want them to be a better person because if you can do all those things that I just listed, you're going to be a successful student. But you'll also be a successful person. If I only teach you the academics, then you may or may not uh, be a, a, a better person. I wonder how many hallelujahs I can give in one podcast without it becoming obnoxious. But no, I mean, honest to goodness, way that is exactly what we hope. You know, I've got 
Reef, my youngest, is in sixth grade. And all we want him to do is enjoy and appreciate his, his learning at school and be a good kid. The learning will come from that. Yeah. Well, and you know yeah, that from your so, older, well, my older old, kids. But, because, because what you've helped them understand is by being a good person, the academics come easy. And once you have age and wisdom with that, you know, um, someone said to me, it was like, okay, once you're 25, you'll figure out, hey, if you had just done the stuff your parents had wanted you to do, life would have been so much easier. Can you go home with me right now and talk, <laughs> talk to Reef? Because he's at the point, 12 years old, sixth grade, where he's, everything is no. Yeah, exactly. I mean, everything is friggin' no. And everything is a debate. And I'm like, dude, you're not going to win this one. Just go friggin' wash your hair. Go. Yeah. Like, no more debating this. Um, no, we all need. And again, let me just say that the teaching profession, profession is one of the hardest, probably harder now than ever, based on the, just the nature of our world or our country. It's undervalued, underpaid, and maybe underappreciated. So I just want you to, from me and probably from everybody else, thank you for what you do, especially for somebody that's been doing it for 28 years plus the five and cares and has the, like the whole risk yeah. leads to more risk, leads to success. Is that something that you developed or is yeah. that something, that's you? Yeah, I, I, I developed that. that back in when I was up in, so I, I, I lived and worked in Northern California for a while and helped start one of their schools up there and that was, what I, the ethos that our school had. Got it. And I helped create that. That's really cool. And where, where up there were you? Where in Northern California? So I was up in Santa Rosa. So um, Sonoma County, um, 60 miles north of the gate, as they always say. Um, it was a great spot for me. Um, I got my admin credential. So I have an administrative ser services credential, which allows me to be an assistant principal or principal. Do you have any desire to be that? Um, I tried that. It is not for me. Got it. Um, I, I like dealing with kids on a day-to-day -day basis and affecting change a little bit better that way. Gotcha. Well, kudos, man. And thank you. It's thank super, you. super commendable. Very much appreciated. Um, we should have many, many, many more people with a passion for teaching like you. Very cool. Hope so. Um, so during this time, going back to your childhood, we're talking now we're into career, but I know there's a big figure in there, a couple figures, your mom and your sister. Well, so before my mom or my sister was my grandfather. So I'm, mm. my middle name is Theron. Um, his first name was Theron. So I'm named after him. Um, he was quote unquote, the hero in my, in my world growing up. My dad was a football star. Um, first freshman in, in um, Atlanta public schools to play on the varsity football team. Um, was a phenomenal athlete, but he was never my quote-unquote mm. hero. That was, that was my grandfather. And um, just how he conducted his life, how he... And, and I didn't realize until I learned later in life what I saw was the evolution of him. Um, he was a philanderer. Um, he cheated on my um, grandmother. He was uh, alcoholic and um, and drunk. And um, but you didn't see any of that. At no. That time. In, in fact, um, 
Because if that's why he's your hero, no, we have no. a problem. No, no, no. He, he, so I never, I never knew that about him. My mom wrote a story. Uh, my mom used to write flash fiction, 500 word essays um, about her life. And I never knew this until I was probably 10 years ago. So in my 40s, I never knew this about him. He was always. What was it about him that made him your hero? Integrity. You know, and, and I, I say all those other things. Right. And, and was that I only saw him as someone who had the utmost high integrity. Um, deacon in the church um, would spend time talking to me. Um, he'd watch um, golf in, on Sunday afternoon, talking to me about Jack Nicholson, Lee Trevino, Gary Player, um, you know, um, all that. He spent a lot of time with you. Yeah. Um, and... You know, he was very honest, very straightforward, very, um, like I said, he had high integrity. Sounds like he had multiple personalities. To, or uh, multiple again, evolutions. Evolutions. You know, um, well, let's, let's do this. Let, let's say this. Yeah. I, I want to be a better person than I was at 25, at 55. I want to I have more on the ball, more caring, more kindness, more all those things. If we stay where we are at 25 and we never evolve, then we really haven't done a lot of growth. For sure. So that whole idea of, of growth and change, I would like to think that I got the best of him um, instead of maybe seeing the worst. Yeah. So, but the reason he was such an inspiration to you or was your your role model was because what you saw was this high integrity yeah. involved with spent time and yeah, sounds we, like real quality time with you. We woke up. So he, he's always the reason I say I wake up early because he'd wake up at five o'clock. He'd go out, watch the sunset, smoke his, um, um, unfiltered camels. Um, I would sit next to him Sun, and sunrise and a smoke. That yeah. Was, okay. Yeah. Got it. And a coffee. Sunrise. It's like a Marlboro, Marlboro man. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, and, and whenever we were visiting him, um, I, I had my own little lawn chair. I'd sit out next to him. I'd Classic. secondhand smoke. And, um, <laughs> and that's where you got your coffee addiction. <laughs> no, I didn't drink coffee at the time, but cause I, I was way too young, five gotcha. and six. Um, I so, think, but I he, think at eight. So, but what keeps going through there? So yeah. he left a mark on you. Yeah. Um, your dad. So, but keep going. So there was your, also your mother, like, yeah. So, us through your so, family. so he was, he was that person. He died. Um, I don't re I remember we were in, in Leavenworth. So eight or nine was when he died. Um, and that was crushing to me. Um, and then it wasn't until probably after, um, after college, um, you know, my mom, my mom was there and my mom stood, stood by me. My sister up until that, you know, growing up, my sister was always the better athlete. My sister was the smarter kid. Um, she I was also the one that could push your buttons. Yeah. And, and, and I would follow behind her and, and, you know, the good and bad of having teachers go, Oh, you're Wendy's brother. Yes. I'm Wendy's brother. Cause then the expectation was there. And so, um, you know, for a while she was, she was my hero. 
Um, I wanted to be everything that she was because, she, like I said, she was smart. She was a wonderful athlete. She was made friends easily. And, um, you know, I wanted to emulate that. Did you? Um, I don't think I did. Got it. Um, I think I always struggled whenever we moved. I struggled to make friends. Luckily, I was good at sports. So I always had people around me because I played team sports. Um, but my sister had her demons. Um, my sister had a personality disorder. Um, she was borderline. So if you think of people that are manic, depressive, so they either have really good or really bad. Um, my sister was slightly different than that because everything was either all or none. And it was extreme all or extreme none. So my sister started suicide attempts when she was 11. Mm, um, and um, at the age of 37, succeeded. Um, and that's weird to say that in that manner, but you know, I can, there are legitimate suicide attempts, legitimate things. My sister was a cutter. Um, and all those things, and it, it never diminished who my sister was in my eyes, but it was also like I didn't want I didn't want to go down that road. My mom was always that person that made sure. Um, frankly, I was you know I was more afraid of my mom than anybody else in the world. I mean, I slammed a door. I, I hadn't done dishes and had slammed a door and. It, my mom had yelled at me, get back in the house with a curse word in there um, right now. And I said, no. And she started following me. I started running down the, the, our road. And I'm sitting here thinking, I played soccer. I was like 15, 16 at the time. I played soccer. Since she I caught was, you? No. Oh. No, she could never have oh, caught me. And that, and that was my thought was it's like, okay, I can run forever. You're never going to catch me. And she yells at me and she goes, Wade, you might be faster than me, but I'm gonna be there when you stop. <laughs> and, but having someone in your, I mean, I don't, I look back on this now and go, having someone in your corner that really is gonna be there when you do the stupidest of things and loves you regardless. Yeah. Um, I flipped my car when I was 18 after having an argument with my mom, walked away from it and my mom just, you know, hugged me and went, well, guess you're not going to have a car for a while. You're probably not going to get a lot for that, uh, that car either. I got $50 for it, but you know, it's, it's like, it's like my mom was always in my corner and she would always say, I love you no matter what. That's never going to, that bond is never going to break, but you have to, when I'd make mistakes, you have to do better. And that, she was so skilled at this. And I didn't realize this until, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm 53. I've seen parents, I've seen people. It's like, I was very fortunate. My mom was an incredible person. And like I said, around 25, I realized that. Oh, I, you know, uh, I was the person that created all the havoc. <laughs> Oh, that was me. I was that kid too. Don't, don't, yeah. don't fret. You were not alone. Yeah. But, but I mean, to be able to, to put words to that and, you know, my sister 
her influence on me was that I didn't want to go down the road that she was going down. And yes, when she was on, there was nobody yeah. bigger and brighter and... But you had both sides of it. Yeah. It was been really tough. And then she passed at 37. Yeah. Um, and then, not to like gloss over, no. it, that must have been tough. But I also know, I want to get to your mom because... Yeah. I mean, I'd heard a little bit about the Wendy story, but your mom is someone that you, you already talked a lot about her, but um, you were super close when she passed. You want to give a little? Yeah, so um, in 2013, um, my mom was going in for a hernia surgery. She had um, torn the right side of her body um, doing Bikram yoga. So my mom would go and do these 90-minute Bikram yoga classes, hot yoga. Um, she'd do, sometimes do two in a day, things like that. Um, she was in her 60s and they did the little pre-scan on her and they went hey we got a problem mm. she got called back in the next day the doctor goes um you have a tumor on your on your kidney on your left side that's the reason why you have a hernia on your right side the tumor was about a 32 pound tumor hold on yeah 32 pounds yeah I, I literally so the doctor took photos of it. I have it on my phone only because people don't ever believe. It's hard to fathom. But it pushed everything um, from her left side over to her right side, which is why she had the hernia on the right side. So what they had to do the following Monday, they, were, they went in, um, they did a, I don't remember the name of it, but um, they basically killed her left kidney and removed it. Then they had to remove the tumor that was on it. And so my mom had us from right under her ridge cage, rib cage on the right side, all the way over to, or sorry, on the left side, all the way over to her right side. They folded that out, Yikes. removed the tumor. Um, and so, you know, here it is we're going with my mom being in world-class shape yeah to immediately hey you have be just because of the sheer size of the tumor it was encapsulated but you have a stage three cancer um five six weeks after that my mom was walking two miles um you know i'd meet her every day after work we'd walk um she, where she lived there was a mile loop We'd walk it a couple times until she was done and we'd go back in and, you know, and that was 2013. She lived till um, 2016. Um, she died 12 days after her 71st birthday. And all that time, my mom had, it, it ended up being three surgeries around her lungs and kidney. And the last surgery, so she, her fourth surgery was, um, she had split her femur, but the tumors had split the femur. So she had it in her bone. So she had in her cancer bone. in her bone. Okay. Yeah. That's and, what ended up. And so she was walking around on a broken femur for six weeks. Well, now I know where you get your toughness from. Well, it was, it was one of those things where I didn't realize maybe because I didn't want to realize, but like 
in, in her left lung, and she had had radiation um, for this, but her left lung was pretty much an entire tumor. She had 15 to 18 golf ball size oh, tumors in her right lung. And we were so, so focused on the yeah, femur yeah. and getting that replaced, putting a rod down in there and they all this. that or whatever. Well, no, they didn't miss it. They just prioritized. Exactly. Got it. And again, what I know now about cancer versus what I knew then, it's sort of like, I'm glad I, I didn't know, but I'm also, it's sort of like, I'm, it's sad almost to say that I have this, now I have this wonderful skill set. I know what cancer yeah. is and looks like, and, and I'm so empathetic for anybody that is having to go through radiations and, and chemotherapies and all of those, because the toll that it takes on that person and to see the grace that my mom went through, that's really, what I take away from it. And it's hard to say that because at the time, you know, that wasn't my mom. That my my mom was my mom was invincible. And to sort of admit like now, yeah. she wasn't. But she never looked at it that way. She still did things. I mean, she showed up um <laughs> Someone had a birthday cake for her, like I said, and, and, and she shows up not wanting to go there, not feeling the greatest, but she wanted them to be okay. Yeah. And that was my mom. You know, it's really, if I can interrupt, um, you've told me a lot about her and there's a couple yeah. things we'll jump in, but it's, it's really amazing because I've had some of those experiences and I had Jack, Sh I don't know if you know Jack, Jack yeah. Shimko with We Are Ocean. Um, you know, he's taking people in this case, with people like your mom that were battling it, and they're going out and doing adventures. They're getting yeah. out of the hospitals. They're getting over to Catalina. Um, that's, I think, the root. And we, I didn't talk about it, but like Ocean of Hope, yeah, which supported the Sarcoma Alliance, which I ran for a long time, and Amy Specter went on to run, and you know, I was very, a part of part of for a long for time. Me. Those people, that was to support folks fighting sarcoma, which is a very aggressive kind of cancer, and the woman that was the genesis of the Sarcoma Alliance, my friend Susie Leiter and Keith Minamitsu, who started Ocean of Hope. Susie was a nurse. She was battling sarcoma, which at the time in the early 2000s was, there was very little information about it. But when she was dying, and she died in 2002, when she was dying, I went to see her and she goes, and she was two years older than me. She goes, I'm like, how are you? She's like, no, 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 how are you? She turned the tables and I'll never forget it. It was the first time, like she, it was all about everybody else. Yeah. Exactly. Such, you said it was such grace and it was not just inspiring and powerful and, and, but it just taught me so much about, I guess, the human spirit and class and again, grace and it, but it was staggering to watch her shift. She did it for everybody. Yeah. It wasn't about her anymore. It was about everybody else. Yeah. How, and I was like, how can you, uh, so it sounds like mom did the same thing. Now you celebrated mom in a couple different ways yes. after she passed. How did you celebrate her? So, in, so my mom passed in 2016, um, and I had started uh, in 2015, the day after the Catalina Classic, I sent a message to Amy Spector and said, I want to be part of this. I'm paddling the Classic next year. 
Um, I want to do it for my mom. And so that was the first goal. So hold on. So let's back up. 2015, mom is still fighting. Correct. So you heard about the ocean, the, the Catalina classic prone race. So is that right? So actually, so when I started outrigger paddling, it was, it was 20, uh, 2011 was my, um, novice year. Okay. We're going to start pivoting. We're going to finish up the mom story, but we're going to pivot in because this is where paddle comes into play. So, so Lanakila had a boat that was branded Ocean of Hope and I loved honestly the logo O2H and it was like what's this about mm-hmm. so I already I had I had known about it I had um so back in 2002 when I moved back from Northern California I actually had a prone paddleboard I was the only surfer I knew that had a prone paddleboard and unbeknownst to me, the Mike Eaton crew out of um, Mission Bay and the North County Paddlers with Brian Szymanski up in Carlsbad, I had no idea they existed. I was in La Jolla. And so I'd go and paddle the buoys and all the lifeguards thought I was cool, but that was about it. And nobody else did it. And I got bored. So I sold it in 2005. And so I knew of the classic. I knew of Jamie Mitchell. um, And you know, it was something I followed. And so when I had this opportunity and, and so I had paid attention in 2011, 2012, 2013, when, um, a good friend of quick blade, Suzanne, Yeo, um, had cancer and, uh, breast cancer and they were raising funds for her and everything like that. I knew her very well. And so, I had paid attention and I, and then my mom was diagnosed in 2013, 2016 or 2015 comes along and I'm like, I think I'm going to do this mom. I'm going to do this for you. Um, at the time she was quote unquote cancer free. Um, and so I, I said, we're going to do this and I want you to be there at the finish line. And so we ended up um, concocting this idea, um, and I contacted Amy and said, "I'm doing this," and she said, "You got our support, cool." And it was later in 2015. My mom had to go through radiation to try and um, take down the the tumor in her in her lung. Um, she started chemotherapy um, a little bit after that in early 2016 and all this stuff and and she passed in april Mm. um the classic is not in in april um so um i had to you know and and this was early mornings get up before work go paddle um do this do that and it was like okay i'm doing this for my mom and i've said this to a couple people there's no good reason i should have completed the Catalina classic. Um, I, you know, I look back and I go, gosh, you're a stubborn ass, aren't you? Because I wouldn't, you know, my joke to people was you're going to have to kill me in order to have me not do it and complete it. And I guess I was just dumb and, and stubborn. I finished it. 
Um, I got in the photo. Hold on, but let me ask why? <laughs> why? So for context, Catalina yeah. Classic, thirty-two is- miles across uh, the 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 channel from Catalina to Manhattan Beach, and you're paddling this on a prone board, which is paddling like a surfboard or yep. on your knees. Of all the channel crossing craft, is the hardest. And yeah. you did it stock, if I recall, which is a twelve yeah. foot board, which makes it even harder. I was always unlimited. Um, you were smart. <laughs> different people would say you're either dumb or dumber. Yes, right, exactly. Um, you know, I, I fall into the dumber yeah, category. So we're, we're all there. Well, I do, I've done it a lot of times. I know. Which makes me dumb times eleven. Um, I, but so let me ask you this: Why do you why do you look at it as being dumb and stubborn as opposed to driven and motivated to do it for your mom or in the memory of your mom or to celebrate your mom? Well, it, it was driven. It was that. But all those things, and it's like okay. I'm really coming off the couch doing this in a years of training, a year of training, realistically, a year of training. That was it. But that's plenty I, I, for I get, a good athlete. Right. And I get that. But it's also one of those things where it's like, gosh, I, I, I look I look at it now and and I go, gosh, I don't know that I could do that now. Of course you could. I, I probably could. Of course you could. I probably could. But but I don't. I, I look at that and you're go, still dumb and stubborn. I, exactly. <laughs> I'm just older. Yeah. So how did it feel when you finished that one? Mom wasn't able to be there, but you did it in her honor. And I, whether you did it to celebrate yeah. it or because you were dumb or ornery. No, no, or I, it was. no I was going to say it was, it was a total celebration for my mom, but it was the relief that I should have felt was tempered by the sort of sadness of, of the fact that I did not get to celebrate it with her. I got to celebrate it with my wife, Amy, but I didn't get to celebrate it with my mom. And, and, and that was sort of hard. Um, I went home and, you know, when you, when you complete the Catalina Classic, you, you get what they call a toothpick. You get the, the, the prone board. Um, it, I don't have that displayed anywhere. It's sitting in my mom's um, mm. box of ashes. Um, sorry, um, I I wrote her a letter. Um, I don't remember if it was like uh, it was a week or two after I I wrote my mom a letter. I have no idea what I wrote her. Um, it's in the box, and that was sort of like. Yeah. I'm closing the chapter on, on that. Um, I still have the board. I still use it. Um, Ocean Hope is great. They give you little um, um, celebratory stickers. I have that. Um, and I have, but I've never opened the box since 2016. The toothpick is in there. The letter's in there. That's cool. And then the following year was sort of, excuse me. The following year was the idea of, I am going to spend my mom's birthday with my mom. My thoughts and my mom. And so what I ended up doing was I, a couple weeks before her, what would have been her 72nd birthday, I concocted the idea that, okay, 24 times three is 72. That's my mom's age. I'm going to paddle three miles every hour. Whatever rest I get 
is however fast I end up paddling the three miles. And I'm going to spend my mom's birthday, April 14th, till the next morning at the same time, which was April 15th. Um, I'm going to paddle three miles every hour on the hour. And I went down to Mission Bay and I, I think I started at 7 a.m. I might have been 6 a.m., but and I did that. And so for 24 hours, every, I, I, I paddled prone, I paddled stand up, I paddled outrigger. And it was, here's what I'm going to do to honor my mom. I get to sit with my mom. I get to celebrate her. I get to have conversations with her. I get to spend all the time I need to with my mom. And I did that. And that was again, one of those things where it's like, okay, you're sort of stubborn, aren't you? No, um, you're kind of awesome. Well, it was, hold on, hold on. Just <laughs> so, so this again, if you do lots of long distance stuff, you can yeah. talk about these things and go, Oh, was it smart or whatever? Other people go, hold on, hold on. You did what you did 72 miles yep. in 24 hours. Yep. It doesn't matter how you break it up three miles every hour. You did 72 miles of paddling. Yeah. That's incredible. Well, and, and so here's the funny part. The funny part of that whole thing is that's how you and I got to meet because mm. we both showed up at the gorge up in Columbia, the Columbia River Gorge in 2016 to paddle the downwind champs. And we're sitting there and Kristen Thomas, who was also an Ocean of Hope a yeah. um, ambassador, she got everybody together for a picture and you're there and she's introducing and you looked at me and you went, you're the guy, <laughs> you're the guy. And, and I didn't remember that that's where we met. Yeah. Well, and, and you're wearing a monster and sea uh, shirt. I but, like to think of it as the Mark Shreeline passion project shirt. There you go. But I will, I will point out that that was sort of the, the little stick in your craw, if you will, that you had paddled 61 miles during the, um, the monster and sea 24, that was on April 15th to April 16th. And you were sort of, I'm not going to, that you got me by 10. Miffed, miffed, is, miffed is a great word. Okay. So, let's, so, <laughs> so we jumped ahead. Yeah. You talked a fair bit about paddling. We'll get more into yeah. like why paddling and yeah. different craft, but we're right into it. Let's keep going. So there's ocean of hope. Yeah. There is the monster and sea, the 24. Talk about the 24. Because that was another super cool thing that you and I were both very involved yeah. in different areas. Correct. Both, I think I did it three years. I think you did it two. You did it two. I, so I, so I, I, realistically, I, I tried to talk Troy Nebaker. Nebaker. Who Love is, Troy. Who Thank is, you, Troy, for yes. allowing me to use this, which I did reach out to him. <laughs> and he was just up at Maverick taking, taking photos on this bomb swell. So nice. Troy is going to be in this chair. I can't wait. Awesome. He is such a great one guy. of my favorite great people story. in the world. Yep. Um, but I had, I had, I had known of him from a friend. I sold a, a board to who's a, a Canadian. Um, and, um, and Matthew Abbott, um, had come down and he was coming down for one of the, um, battle of the paddles. He brought me a monster and sea shirt mm. and said, Hey, I know this guy in the, in the area who's doing this, here's a gift. So I, I looked up who Troy was and I had followed 
his first 24, his second 24. The third 24 was your first one. And I didn't do it because I was doing my mom's paddle. Mm -hmm. And I said, hey, Troy, is it okay if I do it as a monster and sea paddle, even though I'm going from Friday to Saturday instead of from Saturday to Sunday? And he's like, hey, you know, the whole idea is community. We need to all be on the water together. Maybe look at next year if you're, and I was like, all right, cool. So I did it the next year and then the following year. And then the third year that we were gonna end up, or yeah, the third year that I was gonna do it, it would have been your fourth year, was the COVID, COVID. year. Yep. And it all got canceled. And that's just such a cool thing. So what Troy put together, Monster and Sea, Monster being cancer. Yes. I believe it was his wife that was Correct. fighting cancer at the time. And he started this up in the Pacific Northwest. Year one, they had one team. Year two, they had like 15 teams. Year three, they had 30 and it kept on going. Yeah. And my third year, we ended up do, taking it to Kauai and we did a team Kauai. Yeah. Monster and Sea, we did that in Hanalei, which was amazing. But Chris Hammond, who I grew up with here and yes. lives in San Diego, retired firefighter retired lifeguard, um, he started it. He was a follower, he was stand up. And so he got in year two, and I think I went out and did a couple pieces with them. And then three and four, I did it in total. But what it is, is it's a team of six people. There's always two people every, there's people, two people of the team on, on the water at, any, at, at every time Correct. for an hour. And you're doing 24 hours of paddling. And then the first hour and um, the, at midnight, and then the last hour, everybody Everybody's is together. on the water. Yeah. And it's just super cool. A lot of camaraderie, a lot of good fundraising. And then the money raised, you would give truly, talk about grassroots, $1,000 in cash in envelopes to- Directly to- Directly to people fighting cancer in our community. Yeah. And we got the opportunity to give, I got chicken skin right now. We were able to give to a number of families that we knew well, go over and give them cash. I mean, here they are people that are in the deep of it and you're giving him a thousand bucks. And it was, there's a woman, one of the women we gave it to was a mom of a friend. She has unfortunately passed since then. Um, another was a young woman that worked in a derm office with Randy, my wife, and we still see her and she is beautiful and healthy and so grateful. And we, it's just this super powerful, it's so grassroots. I mean, it's all cash. Like right. IRS doesn't get involved in this one, but it was just this really incredible. So it's not only like this, this is a big part of where you and I are very aligned. Yeah. It's this passion for doing good on the water, oftentimes through big taxing yeah. radical events. Well, and, right? and, and the funny part, so in, 20, um, in 2012, I raised money for the Pat Tillman Foundation. Uh, Pat Tillman was always someone that I looked up to and admired. Again, his evolution as He was a NFL, went off in the military, and was killed in the line of duty. Yeah, uh, by friendly fire. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, that part. And so his wife created um, a Pat Tillman Foundation, and they gave money to um, military to pursue um, scholarships um, either in and out of uh, the military just betterment for wherever they wanted to go. And I raised money for them in 2012. In 2013, that was where I, um, Suzanne um, Yao, I raised money directly for her um, and gave money directly there. So it was, it was the odd idea that, hey, what can you do that directly affects people around you? And that was what was so cool about Monster and Sea. I mean, you talk about giving, like literally 
you'd write something and you'd sign it as monster and C. I didn't include a return address or anything like that. I remember um, I had gotten, um, and it might've been from Chris, I, I got the name of a firefighter um, in San Diego and, and he was going through cancer at the time and his girlfriend answered the door. I said, hey, just, and she's like, oh, he's resting. Um, could you come back later? I said, I don't need to. Um, I have this for him. I handed her the, the, um, the envelope. She said, okay, I'll make sure he gets it. Um, he had no idea. Who, he literally tracked us down mm. um, to say thank you. That's so and um, it, it was just, I mean, the people I met through that community, I'm still friends with. Yeah. I mean, what's really cool, and you've been, and, and I think we know the why now, and you can see the why between your mom and then these other experiences, other people. Um, but there's so many of these organizations. I mean, the very first fundraising Catalina Crossing, I think was Mike Rogers, local Mike, good friend of mine here who did Paddle for the Cure back in the, the 80s. And then Susie and Keith with Ocean of Hope. Yeah. And then it started building from there. And now we've got things like the Ben Carlson Foundation and the Bended Go, and we've got the Open Water Crossing. Um, there's so many, there's so many fundraising approaches that utilize the channel. Talk about paddling this channel. What, why is it so cool, powerful, hard? Like, what so, is it? Cause so, you've done it a lot. So one of the things, and, and I said this, um, Gage Henley did a, a Who's video. Gage Henley? Who's that? Um, he's a, he's a surfer paddler, but he's also a filmmaker. He did a film for ocean of hope. Um, and it's a short little documentary film about what Ocean of Hope was doing. Um, and I said this there, it's like crossing a channel, it's a little bit selfish. I'm doing something where I get to do some, my passion for, you know, however long it takes me to get across, three hours on a good day, 12 hours on a bad day, um, depending upon what craft you're paddling. And I get to do that and I get to do the thing that fills my cup, if you will, um, that, and, but I get to do it and then I get to get back. So I get to do something that's special for myself while doing something special for everyone else. And that's sort of the idea is that, you know, a channel, yeah, you can see the land, but you're going from point to point. It's, it's a big deal. You know, something major happens. You're just a speck. Exactly. We all talk about it. Like you're out here, you can see it on a nice clear day. You can see yeah. the island, but when you're out there, oh yeah, you're a speck. Well, and, and you know, as you know, from the classic, you're in a shipping lane with big ships that could care less yeah. if that you're there and they're not stopping even if they could. Yeah. We can go into a long <laughs> array of things that can happen out there. Yeah. Most people's first reaction is, Maybe, oh, that's really long, 32 miles. The other one is, there's a lot of sharks out there. I mean, most people's yeah. first comment really is like, aren't you afraid of the sharks? I'm like, when you're paddling for six, seven, eight hours, like you're not, like sometimes you want the shark to come and <laughs> exactly. finish you off, right? <laughs> put me, put put me, me out, out of my misery. misery. Exactly. exactly. Well, I mean, what you just said about um, the, the why and the how as far as um, how we get other people to be involved um, we get to give back through this thing. That was kind of my pitch when I first took over Ocean of Hope in 2002 when Keith stepped down, when Susie passed was here. I was like one guy and I was like, hey, 
we're all paddling. We're all doing this for our own reasons and we're all going to do the channel. Let's do it for others that can't. And it's, it's a pretty powerful message and it's nice to be able to do something that is somewhat, I don't like using the word selfish. It just takes a, a giant commitment to do right. it. And it's nice to be able to do it for something bigger than ourselves. Well, and, and the other part is that people always talk about you go to a dark place at, at times it, when you're doing these long distance things. It, it, it's nice to be able to, okay, this is nowhere close to dark. Yeah. And yeah, go fight cancer. Yeah, exactly. Watch a loved one fight cancer. Exactly. Right. Hug your mom as yeah. she, as she takes yeah. her last breath. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's dark. This, yeah, I got it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It, it hurts. It, it's painful, but guess what? Yeah. I'm going to walk tomorrow. I'm going to go eat yeah. dinner. I'm going to go sleep in a nice warm, totally. cozy bed. Yeah. I'm good. Right. Yeah, yeah I got this. Different animal. Yeah, exactly. A different animal. Yeah, thanks for sharing about that. Um, listen, we there are so many good examples of fun, fun. Maybe not the perfect term for it, <laughs> but like good things we've been able to do. So many good organizations yeah. raising money, using the channel, using races. Um, we talked about the Catalina Channel. We're going to go into like pure paddle talk right now. Is that cool? Perfect. And <laughs> you're happy. Place. I'll, I'll, I'll right. go anywhere you want. Okay. So, favorite place to paddle. Um, honestly, Davenport downwinder up in Santa Cruz. Really? Best downwinder. Never done it. Oh my gosh. It's cold. It's cold. Yeah, that's why I haven't done it's it. It's cold and has big fish, fish with very sharp teeth. Um, and yes, I did Huli and, um, but Huli is Huli flipped my canoe upside yeah. down. You went swimming. Um, oh yes. And then I immediately got back up and flipped it again and went, okay, the water's 53. They're big fish. I better get this right. So I got Davenport on arguably maybe the best type of day. 30 to 35 mile an hour winds right down the coast, 12 to 15 foot seas. I'm hitting 12 miles an hour mm -hmm. easy. That's so fun. And just flying. We should clarify, because growing up in Newport, yes, the wind is the enemy because we all grew up surfing. Correct. When you get it, and that's the, that's the missing link that a lot of people don't understand. When you, have, when you live in a place that blows all the time, you got to be able to take advantage of the wind, and that's where downwind paddling yeah. shines. And we get to go do really cool stuff, which is, it isn't surfing, but you're riding bumps, you're riding waves the whole stinking way. So Davenport, Maliko on Maui, yeah. Molokai, the Gorge are yeah. all just these world-class destinations to go and, fast downwind. And, and Davenport is... 13, so it's a 14 mile downwind. 13 of it is along the coast and it was blowing straight down. The last mile is is basically from steamers into and around the pier Burn. into Santa Cruz, which is pretty flat. They had some big surf up there last week. I, very much so. But I mean, that was a great experience. Um, where I love going is the Columbia River Gorge. Yeah. Hood We're, River, yeah. if, if they didn't have winners, yeah. It would be the perfect place. Yeah. And a lot of people we know from the paddling world are moving up there because yes. it's beautiful. It's action sports all year round, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we'll talk more about the gorge because yeah. we spent, we, we actually roomed up there this past summer. Um, let me ask you this about paddling. I mean, that's just a fun one. I was just curious, yeah. but you've got the Puke shirt on yes. you've got the quick blade hat on. Um, you're an ambassador in Outrigger. I mean, you are, I think you're technically an ambassador for, I'm but, an for ambassador both. for both, yeah. for both. Why? 
And how? Because um, I'm going to say this. Yeah. You've done lots of, a lot of paddling, a lot of places. You know everyone. And you know, let me, let me start, let me step back for a second. Yeah. If there is a person, and this I think reflects your personality and your passion for the sport, but anytime that someone up here goes, hey, I'm trying to figure out which boat to paddle, which, which paddle do I want to use? What did it, I'm like, stop. I'm going to give you Wade's phone number because anybody can ask you anything and you're super, not only will, will you answer, you love to answer, you love to engage and you'll come down and like, you didn't come up to paddle two weekends ago because you wanted to go, you went and met with somebody and let them try some different paddles yeah. out. Um, your paddle collection could probably fill, your quick wave paddle collection could probably <laughs> fill this studio. Talk about, a lot of us, a lot of people paddle and a lot of people paddle a lot. You're like, you love, you seem to love the community, the act of, the, the, it's, it's the nuance the, of it's it. It's the, the enthusiasm. And, and I'm enthusiastic. I mean, I think that is really what it boils down to is that I was very fortunate um, when I first started. So I was a prone paddler, as I said, 2002 to 2005. I sold the board. Um, I got back into stand-up in 2010. Um, someone I worked with, her husband did it. He took me out a few times. I am a talker, I, in case you didn't know that. Um, <laughs> I'm a talker. <laughs> if anybody wants to be super annoyed, they can come paddle with us when we go long. Like if we go on a 20 miler, we're talking the whole time. Other people that paddle with me know they have to be willing to be talked at. Yeah. You, you, you can give and take as well as anybody. Probably. You probably give better than you take on that, right? But you, you might out-talk me. So, I, so I'm a talker. And, and of all places, Park City, Utah, on a cross-country ski trail, I happened to be with my mom where, where we had come to a trailhead. This couple paddle, or paddles, this couple skis up. And the guy goes... God, I love this. I love being outdoors. This is the greatest sport. And I said, hey, if you really like this, you should try um, stand-up paddleboarding. He looks at me and he, and he goes, what? What'd you just say? I go, you should try stand-up paddleboarding. It's really great. It's out in the water. I start, he goes, no, 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 no. You don't have to sell me on it. He goes, I paddle the elite races. My wife's a professional. It was Bob and Betsy Reisner. Hmm. And he goes, yeah, 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 I got it. I got it. My mom and I go finish our, our, our cross-country ski. They happened to be back. Um, they were at where we were turning in our equipment. And Betsy invites me. She goes, hey, do you stand a paddle? And I go, yeah. She goes, how would you like to come paddle with me um, later in the week? I go, awesome. So she, we exchange numbers. It's February in Park City, Utah with snow all the way around. She has a a pond that she has talked herself on to be able to use so she can paddle year round year round sure. because it's one of the um places that they use for snow making so it has to be heated and broken through mm. so she had talked to the resort i show up on thursday she goes hey you know if if you like stand-up paddleboarding you know, Danny says you should um, try um, Outrigger. Oh, okay. Danny? Uh, Danny Ching. Oh, okay. I had no idea who Danny was at the time. You weren't paddling. 
I, I, rigor at the time. I was only paddling stand up. Um, 2011, is that what you said? 2011. I knew of, you know, Chuck Patterson, EJ yeah, yeah. Johnson. Yeah. Um, I knew Jamie did prone. Um, you know, Got it. But you were only doing stand up at the time. I was only doing stand up okay. at the time. And so I mentioned, I, I come back to work. I, I have a conversation with someone I work with and they were like, hey, she runs into um, her office, prints me out a flyer for Oceanside Outrigger and says, my husband paddles, go show up. I said, I look at the date, I go, can't. I'm doing something that, she goes, show up the next weekend. I'm telling him you're coming. So that's how I got into it. Got it. And, you know, I, once I got back to the hotel uh, after talking with Betsy, I look up who Danny Ching is and, like, oh, oh, he had just won Molokai. Oh. Danny's one of the premier paddlers. He's based out of South Bay. He's just an absolute stud. Yes. And it was like, okay, he might know something. Yeah. So. Got it. But now, jump ahead. Yeah. You're friends with, you could walk up just about, like when we're up at the Gorge, when you have world-class paddlers from all over the world, you know most of them. How? How come? Um, Do you I like stalk, to talk? I stalk <laughs> people on I stalk people on Strava. Um, okay. <laughs> I, <laughs> no, um, you, you know it, it's funny. I I I'm a talker, so I will talk to people. Um, I'm very fortunate that I'm passionate about what I am talking about, and I know. And, and you're probably not a threat to most of those people. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, it, it, but but it's like. You know, it's, it's like going in this morning to the Willie workout. There are guys there that, are, you know, I can hang with for a bit yeah, on, a, on, on, a, on a race. Yeah. They're going to crush me. Yeah. On a workout? Eh, yeah. I, but you can go have a coffee with them afterward because they're all friends of ours and exactly. people you know. I mean, that's the beauty of these communities. I mean, it's like the, the paddling, like so many sport communities, on the water during a race, it might be competitive. As soon as you're off the water, everybody's super close. Everybody hangs. Super and, great. And, and everybody will offer group. their advice totally. and and insight. And hey, have you thought about this? Try this. It's it's why I'm fortunate. I I'm a, for lack of a better phrase, I'm a data geek. I love technical stuff. I'll learn about different canoes, different paddles. I've been fortunate enough that you know. Jimmy or Johnny, um, Jimmy Terrell or Johnny Puakea will have that conversation. We'll go, here's what I was trying to do with this paddle, or here's what I'm doing with yeah. this canoe. And I soak it up like a sponge. Yeah. It's, it's like, I love that. Yeah. And you love to share it and you're really good at it. You're very good at talking I'm, people through it. So I'm I love, a teacher. Yeah. You're a teacher. <laughs> yep. And a passionate paddle nerd. So all those things together work out really well because Again, I, I refer people to you all the time and you're always gracious yeah. enough to take people on the water, let them try this, you'll talk through anything, which is really, really cool. Um, I, I just called you a, a passionate paddle nerd. Yep. You're also a passionate podcast nerd, um, as am I, and I mentioned that at the beginning. Yeah. Um, and again, that's why it's fun that we're both here. Um, we're gonna pivot, it's all related to paddling. Yeah. However, it, I think it's more related to what we talked about, about um, elite life or elite lifestyle or constant growth and improvement or what, what, why are you very focused on things like, you know, like, or maybe talk about some of the people that, or books that you've sent my way or we've yeah. digested together, whether it be Goggins, Rich Roll, 
There's yeah, so many it, things that we have, uh, I think, similar interests in. Well, in this a lot world. of it is is you don't want to be stagnant, or I don't want to be stagnant. I want to continually grow, continually improve, continually to be better. Um, you know, Goggins, David Goggins, was someone who. I didn't know of when I read um, Living, with, Living a with a Seal. I, I, Jesse Itzler to me was the lyrical Jesse James with um, Shake It Like a White Girl. And so that was what I knew him as. I didn't know him as the mogul who did Marquise Jet, whose yeah. you know, wife uh, created and, and, and just recently sold Spanx, yeah. all that stuff. So when I read his book, I didn't know who this guy was. It was just like he was Seal. And, and later in life, it's like you get to that and it's like, oh, okay. And then you read Can't Hurt Me. And, and he has a, a recent book, Never Finished. And yep. it's like, wow, what he's gone through and what he's, he's doing, how to take yourself to that next level. Um, same thing with Jesse Itzler. He has this big ass calendar. Um, that I have one, and I, thank you very much. Thank <laughs> you for sending that to me. I was going to say where he talks about plan your year. Plan your year with what are your things. Put those on the calendar first, then figure out everything else. Um, have a misogi, uh, a big idea that for the year, which I will tell you in just a second. Hallelujah. Because um, I was just sharing before you had get, gotten here that. I want to do a hundred mile paddle. I already have it mapped out. It's Long Beach to Newport, um, Newport to um, Dana, Dana to Oceanside, Oceanside to Mission Bay. Over what period of time? 24 hours. Well, Jack Bark and his boys did that exactly on prone. So you've got them beat exactly. in, in an outrigger. But exactly. That's a biggie. No, it, but it, it is, but it isn't because no, it is, but it is no, but this is the beauty of a brain like yours to be able to go. I can do a hundred miler. Well, I got okay, it. Why okay. Not? So here's, you know, if you look at it, you go, okay, I can do five miles an hour in my sleep. So if 24 times five, you're almost, you're yes. easily there. Listen, you know what I did on New Year's <laughs> day just a few days ago. Yes, right? I do. So I did a hundred mile bike ride. I hadn't done a century in. 15 or so years. You hadn't been on a, a, a gravel bike. That was my first day on my gravel bike. <laughs> I had done around the neighborhood with Reef oh, gotcha. the day before, but that was my first day on that bike. First day in Clips. But listen, I love, and uh, Danny Nichols was sitting here, Project Open Water, and he brought up Masogi, or Masogi, yeah. however you pronounce it. And I love the definition. I'm going to say it again. And I, it's been said on here, but do you know the formal definition? I don't. So it's, it's, it's a little bit cooler than just a big, wild-ass goal. Okay. It's, there's two rules. Rule number one, you have a 50% chance of accomplishing it and a 50% chance of not. Okay. So it's a big ass goal. Yeah. You may not accomplish it. That's rule number one. Yep. It has to be that big. Rule number two, you can't die. I like that. <laughs> it's a big push. So in thinking about like when I get a little niggle in my head and go, I'm going to do a hundred miler. It, yeah. it got in my head a couple weeks before or a couple weeks ago. And I'm like, I think I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Why not? I'm going to do it. Now I'm in. Um, once it gets in my head, I can't get it out. Yeah. And I wondered, I'm like, is this a Masogi? And I'm like, no, it's not. I know I can do it. It might hurt, but I know I can do a hundred mile on a bike. Like it's not, it's not that big. Um, 
Unless a car hits you. But 100 miles, <laughs> then you're dead. That's rule number two. You yeah. broke rule number two. But for you to do a 100-mile one-day paddle, whew, that's big. Well, it is because there are... But of course, I'm sitting here going, can I do that? Yeah, you can. Yeah, I know I can't. Should I? Yeah. I'm not sure. All right, you we'll should. talk more after. Or, or at least parts of it, right? See, but I can't do parts of stuff. I know. I'm all or nothing. I know. That's the way I'm Well, wired. and see, and, that, and that's the reason why, like, I can't predict the wind. The wind could yeah. shift on me, and it could be brutal. My Catalina, it was great until I got to the R10 buoy. Um, I would five and a half hours to the R10, two and a half hours this is the to classic. do the eight miles. Yeah. The longer it takes, the worse it gets. That's yeah. the rule of thumb with the Catalina class. Exactly. And, and I thought I was golden. Five and a half to the yeah. R10. Yeah. So going back to whether it be Jesse Itzler, David Goggins, Rich Roll, all these people. Yeah. What is it? So is it really just you are focused on being your best so, physical self, mental, emotional? What, like what's, yeah, what so, are you ultimately looking so for? So Michael Gervais has, a, has his podcast called Finding Mastery. Yep. It's there we are. Yeah. That's, that's the whole goal. Got it. How can I make myself better? And in, and in turn, if I make myself better, then the people around me, ideally, will have a better experience with me. My wife will have a better life, supposedly. Um, the people I teach with, I will be a better teammate, colleague, teacher, all those things. That's what I'm looking at. Because to me, we evolve. And that's why I use that term with my, with my grandfather and, and everything like that, is that he evolved. He was a better person that I knew than what my mom grew up with. Mm. I want to be that person that when somebody looks at me when I'm 70, 75, 80, or when I die, that they'll remember that I was such a good person, not I may have been a total and complete ass when I was 23 or 33 or 43 or 53, yeah, right? Sure. So we're very similar. I mean, again, I think this is why we talk a lot about this stuff. And we're both focused on the same stuff because I was that I was a tough kid. I wasn't the best kid to my parents for a number of years. I've worked really hard to be a good person since then. And one day I'll have a big board up here on the wall behind you. It says, be good, do good, because that's. Yeah. When it comes down to it, that's what moves the world. That's what makes it a better place. That's what makes life, I think, really rewarding when you do good things and you can help others along the path. And I think you do that in spades and I try to do that as much as I can. And, and it, it feels good to be good, right? So there was a, um, there was a book I, I read, um, uh, The Tao of Sports. Um, and it's Jerry Lynch and I don't remember who the other person is, but they use a guy in there and I don't remember who it is, but they say, if you were to talk to this person, you would never know how accomplished they are. They make you feel good about you. They ask questions about you. They make you feel as though you are the most important person in that room. And I know that you do that for me. You fill my cup. It's one of those things that I've Thank told you. you numerous times that it's like, there are times I just need to talk to you because whenever I get off the phone after talking to you, I feel better. You may feel like shit because nope. you're like, nope. God, nope, <laughs> nope. But I feel so much better after talking to you. And, and, and I don't think I'm there yet for, for myself. 
I can do better and I know I can do better. And that's sometimes my frustration with myself is that I know I can do better. I just have to do that. And sometimes if you're tired, if you're frustrated, if, if you know, you've had a long day or things like that. So for me, paddling also helps me. Um, I'm a better person after I paddle. I'm a better person having been on the water and you hear people always say, oh, you know, you need to go surf or you need to go do such and such. I truly believe that for myself. It's like, if you want to see me at my best, me waking up at three o'clock in the morning to go paddle, it's a minor thing totally. in the grand scheme of life. And you will love me so much better, even if I'm yep. a, a little bit tired. We're speaking the same language. Again, Randy always knows. I always, it's the standing joke. I'm like, I always love her a little bit more after a big workout, after a big paddle. Like, I come back, I, you know, I wake up thinking and I go to bed. I'm always thinking, like, I can't wait for Saturday morning. Saturday morning, big, long 20 mile plus paddles are my favorite things. Yeah. They always have been. Races aren't races for me anymore. Like, I enjoy doing adventures and doing big accomplishments, but the racing doesn't have the allure. It's the path, it's the training. I love, I've always loved those Saturday morning. That's my happy place. Long distance, hopefully with a couple friends in nature. And if you listen to all the podcasts that we listen to, those are the things, I don't care who you're listening to. Yeah. They're all saying the same thing, time in nature and camaraderie and athleticism and passion. Like that's what, in this for me now, it's, it's paddling. It's right. always been paddling of some sort, some craft. It's cycling. It was marathon running. I love that. And it, you know, my doctor once told me, he's like, you're using up all your heartbeats. And I was like, if that's what it takes, I, I don't think he's correct in that. <laughs> but yeah, it makes me such a better person. And, and that's where my thinking happens. Like if I don't, if I turn off the music and I'm on a long paddle, like sometimes it's dangerous to be in my head at that time. Right. But that's when, that's when good stuff happens. Well, or I, I, that's when things happen. Well, I will say this. I, I have people that always ask me, why don't you listen to music when you paddle? It's like, because I'm okay being in my own head. I now, can't be there that some, long. Some people would, would, would disagree with that statement, <laughs> but, but I, I like being in my head. I'm an okay person. It's good. It's good. You're a good person. Listen, and I'm gonna turn that into the next one. Yeah. So do you, I'm gonna ask you some questions. Do you have a superpower? <laughs> no. So I think you have one. And I think it's, I was thinking about it earlier. Um, I, everybody has one. Some people have more. Sometimes you don't see it as clearly. You're a very nice guy. So as far as you trying to continue to get better and you want to be better than you were when you're younger, like if you have a superpower, you're a nice guy. That's why you're approachable. That's why you help people out. So if your path is to continue to be like your grandfather and evolve, dude, you're way further down the field than you may recognize, in my opinion. Well, I appreciate that. That's what I think. Um, you know, it's funny, I, I want to touch on this just because I think it's representative of you. When we, so we, you and I and Ron Witter stayed at, together um, at a VRBO up at, at Hood River for the, uh, the Gorge Downwood Champs this summer and had a ball. Um, I'm a pretty organized guy. Yes. You make me look like a disaster. No, I, I so. Like, I, I, no, no, I, I have to frame this. <laughs> I couldn't, this guy would not let me touch anything. You, he would help me, like I could help him put something on the car, but he had to strap it down. He had to organize everything in the car. 
perfectly methodically and and like and you were snappy you were like mm, mm, you're like a taskmaster and i was like all right dude i don't get to it's not very often that i like am not in the mix but you told me what to do and yeah. it you, was pretty interesting pretty you, funny to watch you, you said that at the time and and it's it's my wife's joke with me she 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 tells people she's like just let him do it He'll be so much happier. If he does. I found out you wanted to do all the work, and pretty much I felt like Caltrans because Ron and I just sat around and watched you do all the hard work. Well, I, it's my happy place. Hallelujah. <laughs> um, ten years from now, so you're doing all this mindset stuff. You're 53, still doing big paddles. You have aspirations for a hundred miler this year. <clears throat> yeah, that's pretty freaking rad. We're gonna have to talk about that offline. Um, ten years from now, what would you like to be able to look back at the last? From here, it's the next 10, but at that point, you're looking back, you're 63, looking back to the 10 behind. What do you hope you see? A life well-lived. And, and that's, that's not a, a cop-out, but it's a, wife, a life well-lived that I can look back and people always say, your job isn't the important thing. It's, it's the relationships and, and all the memories and experiences. To me, it's all of that. I want, I want my time in, in my classroom to be impactful. I want my time with my wife to be meaningful. I want my time with my friends to, to have you know, memories that I can look and laugh and, and cry and all those types of things. Um, a well-lived life, I th it's so encompassing to me that it's not one thing or, an, or another, it's everything. You can just go, that was good. Sort of like if, if you were to have a, a great meal or a great dessert or whatever and you'd be like, that, that was it. That was it. So yeah. that ability to look back on your life and be proud of what you accomplished and how yeah. you lived and everything you did. Because I, I will say this, this past year for me, 2023 has been probably given everything in my life, everything, a sister's suicide, a mom's death, um, all those types of things. Last year was my toughest year mm -hmm. as a person, not because of, necessarily big things, but I had to, I had to dig into myself and I'm hoping that in doing the work and digging into myself, the next 10 years will be so much more fulfilling and meaningful. Well, listen, if anybody is doing the work and we've talked about some of this stuff between what you listen to, yeah. what you read, where you focus your attention, how you do the work, how you show up. If I have a magic wand moment for you is that you get everything you want in 2024 and it's exactly, and for the next 10 years, and that's exactly what you're doing. But you're doing, I just want to commend you on, you are doing the work. I think the challenge with people a lot of time is what they want they're not willing to do the work. But when you're planning to paddle 100 miles or doing 50 or doing 50 on your 50th or doing 72 in honor of your mom, you know how to do the work. And it translates not just from paddling but through everything in your life. And I think that um, 
with that ethic and ethos, yeah. you're well on the path. Well, I hope so. I, you know, in putting in a physical, that's sort of easy. I, and, 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 and I say that recognizing that 72 miles or 50 on my 50th, um, those things are grandiose for a lot of people. But I look at that and I go, okay, that's a, it's a key to unlock something, but you, I, I want to be at a better level as a person. And if that helps me unlock something that just like you level up, I want to unlock that and I want to keep unlocking and I want to have those keys and I want to, I want to be better. Rad. Well, let's keep leveling up and yeah. unlocking in 2024. Here's to 100 miles. Yes. And Wade, thanks so much for being part of the Passion Project and for being part of the genesis of my podcast, Nerdism, and just for being a good friend and for all the good stuff that you do. Well, thank you for having me. Thanks, brother.